You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're here on the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And my next guest is Mark Lapwood, cinematographer of the movie, the documentary River of Freedom. We're actually going to call this interview Behind the Lens of the River of Freedom documentary. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. For you guys that are listening, you may have heard the interviews that we've done on RCR with the producer, Jared, and the director, Gaylene. And I thought it would be fun to bring the man behind the lens onto our show. Uh, For those of you that don't know Mark Lapwood, N-Z-C-S-A-C-S, I'll ask you later what that means. Mark Lapwood, an acclaimed cinematographer with over 25 years of professional experience, has made his mark in the world of documentaries, television, commercials, music videos, and feature films. He earned prestigious accreditation with the Australian Cinematographers Society in 2006 and in New Zealand Cinematographers Society in 2021. His work displays mastery in lighting design and camera operation when filming in the studio and on locations around the world. Mark's cinematography is characterized by a keen eye for natural beauty, capturing the essence of people, landscapes, architecture, and wildlife in a unique and appealing way. His work revolves around crafting compelling visual narratives, skillfully weaving together sequences that convey powerful storytelling, Industry giants such as Netflix, National Geographic, Discovery, BBC, UK Channel 4, SBS, and the NZ Film Commission have all entrusted Mark with their feature and series projects. He's based in Waiheke Island uh, and works worldwide. And I'll tell you where you can find him later, marklapwood.com. Wow, what an amazing array of credentials. And it was definitely evident, all of that expertise in the documentary, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we do, Mark, can you start off by giving us a little bit of backstory? How did you get to become the man behind the lens? Well, I always loved photography when I was a kid. I I got given my first camera when I was seven years old, and I took to it like a duck to water, you know. It was one of those little Instamatic 110 cameras with a funny little cartridge. had a circle on each end. It was film, of course, um, in the 70s. And um, I took so many pictures on that. My dad gave me his 35mm camera and says, oh, this will be better. Um, And, yeah, I ended up becoming a um, a press photographer on the Manawatu Evening Standard in Palmerston North at the ripe old age of 16, um, that was after photographing a hotel fire one day, and I was very lucky to be introduced to the chief photographer the next day, and he took my pictures, came back at one o'clock in the afternoon, said, congratulations, front page. <laughs> and I didn't know myself. It was really amazing to to find that there is a world here where we can make a living with photography. And then over the years, that evolved into wanting to tell stories tell stories with sequences of images um so i did that with stills and slide projectors and then eventually i realized ah this is like the movies you know um projecting slides on the big screen with music it's like cinema so how do you get into that and i ended up um training i moved to australia in my early 20s and ended up training as a camera assistant and then going to the film school in Sydney, the Australian Film, TV and Radio School and doing a two-year master's there in the late 1990s, after which I came out as a um, 
starving cinematographer on <laughs> what we used to call the um the government arts grant which was the unemployment benefit in the year 2000 <laughs> but fortunately i was only on that for a few months and i got a first break um shooting my first ever feature film in india of all places a film called maya and yeah you know it's a it's a journey you know i'm a freelancer uh, there's no predictability in this business it's a lot about the luck of the draw and who you meet and the opportunities that come your way um I wouldn't have it any other way I love it I love my work yeah yeah and I imagine when you're doing a project if we call it that it's like game on like all hands on deck and then you have these like is it ebbs and flows is that how it goes yeah for sure yeah 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 I mean like we're just coming out of winter at the moment winter is a classic time where things do quieten down a bit in New Zealand in the film industry. Our days are shorter, there's less light, the weather's less favourable. Um, so productions, if they're coming from overseas, tend not to come in our wintertime um, and less there's less local production in the winter. But then now it's spring, things are starting to gear up again. Summer's a peak time and, you know, goes on into autumn. And so it is seasonal in that way. And then there's also just this unpredictableness of the random series of events that causes you to get those phone calls or not. Mm. And for me, I find I just need to keep in touch with people and just keep putting some work out. I like to put up my own stuff as well and just, yeah, express myself creatively in a way that is is sharing. So somehow when you put energy out, energy comes back to you, you know. And when you did get the phone call to be involved, if that's how it rolled out, in River of Freedom, what made you say yes to being involved in this project? Okay, I'd love to tell you a little bit of the story of how yeah. this happened because it was how did it yeah, come it to be? Pretty Mark? cool. Well, <laughs> I'd been, you know, hiding away a bit. I'd been mandated off a project, um, and then I guess, like a lot of people, I was on a few different chat groups, and I got this text one day from this person Gaylene who I sort of vaguely knew of and it literally just said hey I'm filming the convoy in the South Island would you like to film the north and I have never had such a full body yes in all my life it was like every cell in my body lit up I was like hell yes oh my god what an amazing opportunity you know I'm getting emotional <laughs> telling you about this because finally I felt like I could do something you yeah. know um do something with my skills and abilities and you know I have all the equipment I needed so yes was the answer in capital letters and then I I was up at the shops like within a couple of hours later buying some food and I saw some friends across the road who I knew were on our team so to speak and I said I'm going to film the convoy <laughs> but I need a driver because you can't film and drive at the same time safety first <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And my friend said, okay, I'm on it. And literally within two hours, I get a text from this wonderful guy, Michael. He's Canadian. He sends me his text. He says, are you still going on the convoy? I'm Canadian and I'm FOMOing like crazy right now. I would love to come with you. And, and I was like, oh my God, that is fantastic. So he came and boy you know he he was just the best partner on the journey this guy because he wasn't just a driver he was he was well for people that know human design he's a manifester oh my goodness and manifestors they're only eight percent of the population but they're here to open up the energy and boy did he open the way to help support 
me on this journey of filming the convoy. And um, oh my goodness, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was great, great collaboration. A few things coming up for me on that. So you mentioned human design. What I love for you, because I know that you are a manifesting generator. I think you're a three five, like I am. I'm a three five generator, and. It's for for both of us, it's about doing what lights you up. And you said every cell in your body lit up when that invitation came your way and you listened to it. That's absolutely right. You know, my response is sacral. So I'm lucky. Like it's quick. It's Mm -hmm. a quick response. It's either a uh uh-huh or an uh uh-uh. And in this case, it was a full uh (laughs) uh-huh. I'm on. And all this excitement, you know, this feeling of excitement and jubilation and happiness, like that is when it's really clear to me that something's correct for me. And I for our to... listeners, if you missed the episode, Sorry. I did an interview with Mark's partner, Christine Spicer, and she is all about the human design. So I can put the link, I'll put the link uh, on the replay page for that one as well. The other thing I wanted to mention, Mark, you said about this Canadian guy. So for a couple of our listeners, if you're not exactly even sure what the River of Freedom is or about, Mark mentioned that this Canadian guy said, I've got major FOMO right now. I'm going to tell you my interpretation of that. FOMO is fear of missing out. And at the time of the Wellington convoy, which was leading down to that became the peaceful protest, which then became not so peaceful down in Wellington at the Beehive. But things actually kicked off in Canada where they had this massive convoy. It was wintertime and it was like Hong Kong and all the truckies. And I can't remember the distance and how many hundreds of kilometers of trucks there were going down, you know, towards Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, where I'm originally from. I'm from Toronto. Anyway, so it was quite emotional for me watching the footage of things happening in Canada. And I was proud and I was kind of like, finally, the Canadians are doing something because they're so blinking compliant over there as we were also here. And so he would have been here, this Canadian guy in Waiheke, maybe, and having FOMO again, he can't be at the Canadian one, but he can jump on board the Kiwi one. And wow, it really did have momentum. So how was that for you driving down just the experience in itself, as well as the responsibility, you know, of capturing the essence? How was the, tell us about the convoy part. You know, it it was the most enlivening in a way empowering journey because we started we we went right up to Cape Ranga right and we got there the night before and we had a look around no one was there and we're like oh gosh I hope people turn up for this thing anyway we went and camped at a very nearby campground um, and we got back up to the Cape at six in the morning and there was quite a few cars and more and more cars showed up and and I thought this is cool there's about 30 cars and then I, I just love the surprise that happened because this fellow, this Maori fellow came around. He had this huge tyre. It's like six foot long. And he said, uh, any of you folks part of the convoy hikoi? And if you watch the film, you hear this voice that says, yes, absolutely. Well, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I always crack up when I hear that. And um, and he said, well, there's a tikanga to doing things, uh, protocol. Um like this and so he asked us all to gather around and then he said we need to go right down to the lighthouse and we need to do a prayer a blessing to ask our tipunas which is our our ancestors um and our atuas our gods for support um to help us on the journey and so we did that we we filmed that and of course this was fantastic because it was quite mystical like the whole of the cape was shrouded in mist Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I'm getting tingles telling you this. It was the most eerie thing. It was like, wow, there's, there's some beautiful magic going on. And there were children walking down the path with their Heifaka Putanga flag, you know, the flag of um, that symbolizes um, early agreement, an early agreement with uh, between Māori and the crown. And, you know, amazing things. They did a karakia. And then we all slowly got on the road. And as we got to the first town, there were people standing on the side of the roads, Natalie. They had signs. They were supporting. They were waving. They were honking their horns. And I was filming them. And I burst into tears trying to hold the camera steady because I was like, oh, my God, we're not alone. You know, they're here. And as we went down the road, there were just more and more people, bigger and bigger crowds. And I think this was a paradigm-shifting moment for me mm. and for so many of us because we realized we are not alone. We are not this tiny little fringe minority like uh, the government and the media had been telling us we were. So it was massively empowering and and really um, it fueled the the passion, I think, for so many of us that we've got to do this. This is important and we are we stand together in, in this. It was really, really wonderful. And then that scene pretty much repeated, right? The whole way down the island, like all the, not all the bridges, but so many bridges, so many people standing out in the rain and whatever, just to be, to support you guys, but also to, I think, be part of that collective energy. Yeah, it was phenomenal. There were literally people standing out in their raincoats on their own sometimes, or, you know, 20 feet apart on the side of the open road in what felt like the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know, in the dark with their placards and waving at us and on the tops of bridges. And yeah, it was phenomenal. The the thing that really blew me away too, I was born and raised in Palmerston North and I never thought we'd see this, but we got to Palmerston North and the people were lining the sides of the roads. They were standing on the tops of their cars, on the tops of the trucks and the line of vehicles just kept on coming down the road it was phenomenal. I felt like there was, it felt like there was 20,000 people there. You know, I filmed so much of it. I even got to that point where I felt like I filmed it all. Like I've got it. And the cars were still coming. Like it was unbelievable. And that was interestingly, that was only the um, part of the convoy that had come via the Hawke's Bay. So there was another hole on the East coast. There was another whole aspect to the convoy that had come down the West coast. Mm -hmm. Like, through New Plymouth, and they had been told there's too many of us in Palmas North, so they diverted them to Linton, which is a small town sort of south east of Palmy, to stay the night there instead. Um, it was just mind blowing. You know, there were for anyone who thinks this was a fringe minority. When you see the film, you'll see how many, just how many people there were. It was really cool. And I guess one of my hopes for the film is that people that maybe at that time might, might've watched the news and it might've, you know, they really love to downplay, right? <laughs> How many people, I mean, they didn't, I think they didn't even film, you, you know, they didn't show barely any of it, right? The convoy, let alone the, the protest. But I think my hope is that some people that just didn't realize how many people were taking a stand, um, go to see the river of freedom. Because when you see it, you feel it, right? You feel that energy, all the people standing on those bridges, standing on the sidelines, and then the side stories. That's the other thing I really loved. So it had a beautiful fusion of capturing the essence of the experience, and then it would do these nice 
cutaways or whatever it's called, where you would kind of have these little mini interviews or or people would share a little bit of their own personal experience. Um, and it was a long documentary. It was like three hours, but I know that Gaylene spent <laughs> a whole year editing yeah. all of the footage. So can you just give us a little update at this point? How is the film doing? I know it made the top 10. What are the prospects internationally? How is that looking? Well, and then we're going to talk about what happened when you got to Wellington. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, you know, the fact that it got into the top 10 in New Zealand's box offices quite mind-blowing because it, this that was those statistics those figures come out the new zealand cinema box office every thursday evening on flicks.co.nz and at that stage last thursday night when those figures came out we still only had 16 active cinemas showing the film only 16 and that is none of the big uh chains like none of the big hoits or event or those kind of places at that point we now so that's pretty phenomenal right yeah and we were dancing around the living room <laughs> it was very <laughs> exciting uh and then right now we're up to 34 cinemas have taken on the film so some of them won't have yet started screening because the cinemas do like a thursday to thursday uh, schedule normally it seems so um but there are a lot more that have started screening the film since uh, those figures were released. So tomorrow night we'll be definitely having a, a keen look at where we arrive on the box office statistics for the film and the New Zealand release. So currently, of course, I mean, it's not obvious maybe to most, but it's very clear to us in that top 10, there is no other New Zealand film screening right now. So effectively, we are the number one New Zealand film mm -hmm. screening at cinemas around the country right now which is exciting. I mean, we're getting inquiries from all over the country. I'm one of the admins on our Facebook page. And every day it's like, can, are you bringing it to Gore? Can we see it in Invercargill? Will it come to Kerry Kerry? You know, can we watch it in Gisborne? It's wonderful. People everywhere around the country mm. are, you know, really passionate. They want to see this story. They want to see it in their hometown. And our distribution team headed up by Heidi, uh, is you know she's doing an amazing job and our producer jared conan he's also doing an incredible job and the whole team is working together to just you know keep in touch with people and keep in touch with the cinemas we've had some amazing stories too that i i just want to share this this is so mind-blowing the the cinema in methvin and the cinema in mochuaca these are both small businesses in small towns. They both have told us they were on their knees. Mm -hmm. They were literally about to close down their cinemas. And in the last two weeks since they started screening River of Freedom, they have had sellout after sellout after sellout. And, you know, it gives me tingles sharing this because it's like, wow, the cinema owner in Methven got up in front of the audience on Saturday night. Galen was there uh, to do a Q&A afterwards and he said I just want to thank you all for coming to watch this film and he told the story of how they actually it saved their business mm -hmm. so it's really that's really heartening you know to know that this little grassroots independent film made by this collective of us filmmakers who came together and met at parliament is finding its massive audience and it's helping save these businesses and rebuild their their financial well-being at a time when they've been struggling you know because of all the restrictions over the past several years so it's really exciting it's you know because the potential for impact 
of this documentary is massive. We we probably don't even realize because not only was it like, oh, it's a Kiwi documentary and it's doing well. Oh, that's a nice, you know, and it helped those businesses. Well, that's nice, which it is. It is nice. But you look at the message of what it's sharing and the truth, you know, meaning it's showing people, visually showing them this is actually what happened, what you were shown on the news and the way that it was spun is is not was not an accurate representation. This is these are my words, this is my my view on everything. And what it's doing is it's opening some people's eyes and people will hopefully be bringing some family members and friends. That's why it's so important to get it in more theaters so that people who live far and wide across New Zealand can see it. What and the potential for impact internationally is huge. What are the chances that it's going to go to some film festival overseas? There's a lot of chances for that. We've already been invited to a, a festival in Bermuda, and which is really cool, in the Bermuda Triangle, I guess. I don't know, but it sounds very exciting. And a festival in Tahiti called FIFO. Um, and, yeah, we, we've been in touch with a few festivals and in, in entering it into a few festivals around the world, so I'm not fully across that. Um, I can tell you, though, that... We've had a lot of inquiries also from our neighbors in Australia. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can bet your your bottom dollar that anyone in the freedom movement around the world is going to be very inspired by seeing this film. Um, you know, little old New Zealand, we 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 kind of, we, people can relate to it, you know. We're like a Western country and people got together and we camped on the lawn of parliament mm-hmm. when they played their crazy music and COVID-19 messaging at us for 24 hours. We just got up on the bollards and danced, mm-hmm. you know. When the cyclone came through, people weathered the storm. When when the sprinklers were turned on, people dug trenches in the lawn. You know, it's priceless. It's it's such a beautiful story of, of just adapting and resilience and that wonderful collaboration and harmony that, that of everyone coming together from all walks of life, right? Like from, I, I literally met people from all sorts of socioeconomic backgrounds, people who live on the streets to people who are very well off, mm-hmm. um, people from all sorts of ethnic backgrounds, heaps of Māori. The, the survey that was conducted, there was a curious survey done of the people at the protest at one point, and 30% of the people there were Māori. Uh, 46% were uh, Labour Greens voters and 55% were women. So, you know, it, it was, it's really cool. Like there's a huge diversity of people there. And so it has a mass appeal and we're really excited to see where the film can go overseas. Right now we're just focusing on New Zealand. Mm. Um, and once the cinema release kind of peters out, because we're a small team, you know, we're doing this all ourselves, um, then, you know, we'll send it further and, and wider. Yeah. And I know that we can help too. So I'm going to ask you later on about how we can help to spread the word about that. You mentioned little old New Zealand, but remember, you know, we made quite an impact during the COVID thing, Um, you know, and people around the world know about New Zealand. So I think they're curious to see what happened to us and they'll be, hopefully uh, it'll open their eyes to see the other side of the story that gets told through this movie. So the convoy went from the top of the top of the north and the bottom of the south and they met in wellington some people couldn't get over because i think they stopped the ferries so everyone camped out and picked in and but um, for those that did make it what was it like walking around i mean i've seen the film i had 
hundreds of my own personal friends go. I didn't personally go for personal reasons, but what was it like just being there? Oh, I, it was it was like this woman Laos says in the film. It was like a, a sort of form of utopia in a way. Like if you've, I've never even heard of the term a gift economy, but it, there was a gift mm. economy happening, which means that there was every day huge amounts of money, food, and supplies donated. So uh, food was being donated to the Hare Krishnas, to the various other groups that were running food outlets. Um, we never had to, no one there, if they chose to eat at the protest, never had to pay a thing, pay for a thing, because it was all just provided. People all around the country, I think, who couldn't make it, couldn't yeah. be there in person, wanted to support in some way, shape or form. And they did. You know, it was it was really amazing in that way. And just the sense of collaboration. You know, we'd been we'd been <laughs> vilified, right? And so isolated for so long. Mm -hmm. So there's a really empowering and beautiful thing when we can all come together uh, and have certain common values, even though we all come from every different political background and so on and so forth, people could sit down and talk and about things and relate to each other so easily. So it, it was cool. It was exciting, you know. Um, and and one of the fun things was too, here we were, we were walking around. My sound recordist, Ben Vanderpoel, and myself, Ben went down because he has this big boom mic, you know, being big professional sound equipment and the big boom mic, which is kind of the big gray looking windsock mm -hmm. thing around his microphone on the big long pole. And he said he wanted to wave his boom around so that all those media cameras that were sitting on the balconies uh, could see, ah, oh, there's some people actually recording the stories down there on the mm -hmm. ground. And I had my big production camera on the shoulder and, and, um, and people would ask us, Oh, who are you guys from? And I'd say we're we're from us. We are part of, you know, you guys, the movement. We're here to show the truth of what's really happening on the ground. And that I felt really passionate about because it was really obvious every day when we would look at the, you know, more well-known <laughs> media organizations and what they were showing and what they were saying about the protest was really spin is a polite way of putting it right it was a really spun doctored version of events it wasn't reflective of the truth really of what was going on um and on that note mark i mean part of my hope is that when people go and see the movie and they see they go oh well why didn't we why didn't we hear about this or oh i thought it was the protesters that were making all the fuss you know and people see that and they have a little bit of a moment an aha moment my hope is that they will then go a little bit oh, well, if they kind of misrepresented, or I'm going to use the word lied, about that, huh, I wonder how much can we trust them? Or I wonder if there's anything else that they were not being entirely transparent about. And, you know, and then and then come what may from there. Um, who else was doing the filming? Because, I mean, obviously you were filming, but I know it was an amazing compilation of pe pe people's, whatever they captured along the way. And then you had all these interviews interspersed. How did you get the other footage, or how did that work? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because it really was a collaborative, collective effort. Um, so some key people that were filming 
were my dear friend Dane Scott and Jordan Ranson and Briar Rose, who met down at Parliament and they were standing in the rain one day, <laughs> each with their cameras, trying to keep their cameras dry, having a conversation and and realized, hey, we, we should form a collective. You know, why don't we why don't we form a collective and we can work together? And they on the spur of the moment, with a bit of thought and and um insight, decided to coin that the Manaki Media Collective or Manaki Media. And Manaki in uh Maori means well, when when you go to a marae, people talk about the wonderful manaki of the of the local people there, and it's kind of like the beautiful hospitality. There's a fellow in the film who also defines it as mana to lift up the mana, the mana aki to raise up the mana. Um, the yeah, so so these guys, Manaki Media, did a wonderful job, Dane and Jordan and Briar, and I love all these guys dearly. And if you see, you'll see they appear in the film. Uh, Jordan puts himself in front of the camera from the moment uh, that he decided he was going to go to Parliament. He was in Queenstown, and you see this guy, and he films himself, you know, and he says, I feel really cool to go to Parliament, see what's really happening on the ground. And he becomes a character in the film. Uh, and so does so does Briar, and um, in many ways, she's the the great, Maori woman who's, you know, calling out, give them an umbrella when you see these police yeah. standing there in the rain. And um, yeah, so many moments where she's there. And she's, we also interviewed each and every one of those guys for the film. The other amazing, powerful um, Maori woman was the ex-politician who featured a few times like and doing some commentary. And I just thought that was so powerful as well. Yeah, Madama Fox. Yeah, mm -hmm. she was brilliant. She was brilliant. I love the moment when she says, you know, as a politician, your job is to represent the people. I mean, hear, hear, right? <laughs> She's really fantastic. She speaks so well to the film. I also just want to give a shout out to all the other people that filmed. I don't remember everyone's names, but there was um, uh, people like John Setter and Aaron Cash and Julian Arahanga. Um, Julian's also a producer on the film. Uh, Julian from Awa Films in Wellington, wonderful soul brother. Um, Gaylene Barnes, the director, she also shot a lot of the material herself. She was the one who was filming the convoy from Bluff to mm. Picton and then across on the on a boat. She came over on a, a fisherman, um, put a pirate flag up on his boat. She couldn't get on the ferry. She went with the fisherman on this quote-unquote pirate ship. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fantastic. So Gaylene filmed a bit. And then various people shot stuff on their phones. And, you know, we didn't want to use too much phone footage, but sometimes there were things that happened where we just didn't know about it or couldn't be there in the moment. But as we interviewed people after the protest over the following few months, we discovered these stories and then went on a search to find, does, mm -hmm. does anyone have footage of that? Um, and fortunately, we were able to find that material and weave it, weave it all in. So, um, and that's part yeah. of what makes it powerful. I mean, it was this eclectic, uh, you know, eclectic, um, collaborative perspective. It wasn't just you guys going in and just filming what you thought was relevant. Like you actually did go, and that's why it took so long to pull it together as well, is to search out all these different stories. And I'll do a little shout out too. I had two of my previous guests were featured in the film as well. Um, Jeanette Wilson, who a previous guest who had her sternum crushed by a police. You can actually see the footage on in the documentary. Um, she had her sternum crushed and it was 
very traumatic. And then uh, Matthew Tehuki also speaks quite a lot. And he's so wise, so calm. He also sang. And in the interview that I did, he talked a lot about love and forgiveness. And I think this movie will bring up a lot of things for people that people that didn't know what really went on or and people that were there, it will bring things up in them. How do you think it's going to affect New Zealand, uh, the people that were there and the people that weren't? You know, I feel like it's bringing about a wave of, in, on some level, awakening and also on some level, healing. Um, you know, for me, I think one of the most important things is that people can see this really iconic moment in New Zealand's history. It's preserved in film for eons in time, you know. And if you look back on it, even in five years' time, 10 years' time, 20 years' time, we have this record now of this incredible moment in our history. And what I really hope that people were reminded of, apart from anything else in the film, is that how powerful we are when we come together, when we stand up for what is right, and we work together in harmony and collaboration. We're a formidable force in a, in a beautiful, positive powerful way. That is amazing. I love that. I want to write that down. We are a formidable force in a beautiful, something powerful way. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to listen back to that. Hey, I'm Mark. I'm going to go to the questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, what is one thing it might be the, it might be the, the protest, but what is one thing that you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Well, it's maybe just a little bit over a year, but it was that moment when, so I filmed the convoy, right, from Cape Ranger to Wellington. I filmed all day at Wellington, and then I had to return to Auckland straight away because I had to rent out some of my equipment, my camera equipment. And then I came back home to Waiheke. I caught up with my partner, Christine, and a whole lot of people were like, well, what happened? How was it? You know, we want to see what you did. And Christine was like, you've got to put that thing together so that you've got something to show for the journey. Mm. Otherwise, if you go straight back down and film some more, you'll just end up with all this footage. And, you know, at that moment, we had no idea there was a feature film that was going to be made. Right. right? Yeah. We were just filming what was happening. So I was like, okay, you're right. And so I sat down and I edited. It took me about five days. I edited about a five minute long piece uh, to a beautiful song by the wonderful Joy to May called Hands Off Our Children. A lot of the, our listeners may know the song. Um, and it's a really powerful and, and emotionally moving song. And this piece is no words, just the lyrics of the music and the music itself and the images of the, of the journey of the convoy from the Cape down to Wellington. And the moment that I really feel like I upped my brave was when I put my name mm -hmm. A film by Mark Lapwood with music by Joy to May on an end title on the film. And Christine said, Are you going to put your name on it? And I was like, I have to. I just know that I have to. I have to stand up and I have to show people that it's okay to stand up. Because at know? that time it was it was risky. Yeah, for sure. I didn't know what was going to happen. I, you know, and I'm someone that's not really great with conflict. I didn't want conflict or anything, but I did want to show that you know, there's a beauty and a magic here and I have to stand behind it. So when I hit that blue button on Facebook and wrote and sent share and put that video out there, yeah, I was, you know, really standing in my outside my comfort zone. 
So I upped my brave, I put it out there, and now that piece has had over 150,000 views. Um, it's gone all around the world, and uh, I got so many positive, supportive comments, people saying, oh, my God, I just cried my eyes out watching this. Um, it, it it was a really important moment, and we sat there. I, I showed, I had it in edit almost done. I showed Christine, and we both sat here bawling our eyes out. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my up my brave moment. That's amazing. Sometimes, you know, putting your name to something, uh, coming out of the closet as it's, you know, over the last few years has been scary. And congratulations. I don't, is that something that we that I can link to and people can watch that? Yes, I'm sure. I, I'll just have to find the particular link for it. But absolutely. Okay. So as you guys, as our listeners may or may not know, we launched an app. We have a reality check radio app. So exciting. So you can get that. And then you can now just click on replays, click on up your brave. And when you go to Mark's replay page, hopefully I will include the links to how you can find out about him and all his work, um, as well as maybe go and see this um, little five minute bit that he put his name to. So amazing. The next question is about the bucket list. And what is something on your bucket list? This is something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with. You know, I think, I just think of this film. Uh, I just want to see it go around the world. I would love to be able to travel to cinemas overseas at festivals and and stand in a huge audience and and um, hear and feel how they respond to the film, um, because you know this is a global movement, and um, and I think that film has a lot of power. So I just really want to experience that. So by the more, more people seeing the film and growing its audience, we will we hope to get this film into not just the top 10 in the box office for a week, but in the top 10 most played documentaries from New Zealand of all time. And if that happens, then then it cannot be ignored, right? It's in the history books forever. And so that's really important. So that's, uh, I guess, a collective goal that we would love to see come to pass. It's a huge goal. And I think it's a doable goal. And the cool thing is, is not only are we like helping you guys to get the doc, your your work out to the world, we are actually empowering ourselves as a community, as a country, um, and as individuals by getting this this documentary out because it is about freedom and how easily it can be whisked away. Um, but how if we stand together, whether we're in the car or standing on the bridge, you know, we can make a massive difference. So how can we? helped make that goal happen like literally is there something specific we can do well it's it's i think it's you know just gently having those conversations with people and and sharing that hey there's this film out and it it unpacks why people went on the convoy and they went to wellington and were part of this anti-mandate protest um it shows why they were there and it's filmed with what we like to call now this wonderful phrase, the cameras on the lawn. We were the cameras on the lawn. So if you've only seen what our regular, most predominant media organizations were sharing, you haven't seen the story. And this is a really important story for our people. So, so yeah, I mean, if you can get along, see the film at a cinema near you, and maybe take a friend or two um, who might just be curious to see, oh, well, what, what's this about? 
um, a lot of people who see the film come away quite blown away and surprised about um, this whole other aspect of the story that they really just did not know happened. I had that experience the other day where a friend said to me, oh my goodness, have you seen The River of Freedom? You should go and see it. And I said, well, I was there on opening night at the Civic. And she said, yeah, oh my, because she was, you know, anti-mandate and unjabbed and everything. But just because it's such a broad spectrum of all the things. So just because someone might be anti-mandate doesn't mean. So anyway, she had no idea. She said, I had no idea that went on. I Like, I just thought, you know, the protesters were being, you know, a bit rough. And, and, and so even for people that are, you know, into freedom, they still, you know, they were fed a fib is what I'm going to say. And so for them to be able to see that and feel that in a theater, and we all know the power of music and video um, representation is just, and storytelling, we know the power of that. I love the way you said that. And you said it's in such a lovely, gentle way about if we can just encourage people to be curious and go along and take a friend. Okay. So how do people find out where it's showing? Is there a certain page they can go to? Yeah, 100%. So if you just go to riveroffreedom.nz, we have a screenings page. And uh, you can just see the heading screenings at the top of the website there. And there's a whole list of North Island cinemas and South Island cinemas there. So uh, in each of those, there's an icon for each cinema. You click on that and it takes you through to that cinema's website, uh, directly to the page where you can book tickets. So, yeah, it's um, it's pretty easy. We've tried to keep it as simple and straightforward as possible. And I know there's other locations that have been like the public has been requesting, but some places just haven't. They either refused or they don't probably don't think it's financially feasible. Um, so I guess people, I guess I'll say it, maybe you can get in touch with your local theater in your local area in a really nice way and see if they w are able to show it because I think it's a supply and demand. The more people um, that ask, that does help. And I guess you'll, you and Heidi will keep updating that page as more theaters come on board, see the yeah, light. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, uh, Heidi and our, our distribution team. That's right. So, you know, as cinemas see the huge box office take, um, they can't help but realize and take note, right? Oh, this is a good business opportunity, regardless of what you think or perceive uh, the the content of the film is. Um, and we've had a lot of cinemas like that. We've had cinemas who really didn't want to show the film and were spreading uh, their uh, negative uh, views, having not seen the film. And then they've opened the doors because so many people have contacted them and they've had sellout screenings and then they've sat down, well, what's this all about? They've watched the film and they've actually shifted their mindset and gone, holy moly, I had no idea, you know, this was what was going on. So it's, it's, it is, um, yeah, shifting hearts and minds. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Just to, to go to something like this with an open heart and an open mind. Um, yeah. So we've had amazing stories like that. It's, it's really exciting. And, um, yeah, this is what we hope for, you know, that the film can actually create this ripple, this wave through our, our nation and around the world to show that uh, it's it's really important to stand up for our rights. Mm. I think it's already started. I think that ripple has already started. What is coming up for you? What other projects have you got on the horizon? Or what other projects are you looking for in case somebody wants to um, get you to collaborate with them? How can we connect with you online? 
You can find me at my website, marklapwood.com. That's M-A-R-K-L-A-P-W-O-O-D.com. Um, there's a contact button on the website. Yeah, look, I'm really interested in working on projects that make a difference, um, that have meaning. Um, I'm available to be hired for, for things like that if it resonates and we get along well. Um, I, I love to pour my heart and soul into something that I'm passionate about that excites me. So, um, yeah, welcome, welcome opportunities from, from people, other filmmakers out there, people who've got funding. Of course, we all need to pay the bills and, and that sort of thing. Um, and currently something that's really exciting is that, um, we might be hitting the road again to film some of these wonderful stories about these cinemas that have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really discovered uh, a new lease of life in their business as a result of the film. And also from, you know, maybe some cinema owners who have had a shift in perspective as a result of the film. So that's something really exciting we're doing shortly. That is exciting. And it's like the power of film, not just for the people sitting in the seats, but the people that own the theater. And then for you guys to capture those stories. Oh, I love it. And it'll, of course, add to the ripple of the river of freedom around the world. Yeah, absolutely. So great. Hey, Mark, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Oh, gosh, I I just am so grateful for everyone who's been to see the film. Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. And uh, and thank you to, you know, I think the thing for me is I realized th- this film, it's it's a it's been a collaborative effort from the right from the start. And it's a collaborative effort that in a way is a collaboration with everyone who joined in, who stood on the sides of the roads, who got in their cars and drove or sent food or everyone who did what they felt they could do uh, within their means at the time to to stand up for our rights and our freedoms. So I'm just really grateful to be a part of it and um, yeah, bring it on. I love this kind of thing. You know, I guess it's just that thing, isn't it? You know, you follow what lights you up and magic happens. Yeah. So many things have opened up for me since I've done this film, since I hit that blue send button mm-hmm. uh, and said yes. And, um, you know, it's brought me to a part of my life I never, ever imagined would happen. Um, so there is a silver lining in everything, right? And we just never know where it's going, just one step at a time. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Definitely go and see it if you haven't already. The River of Freedom. Thanks. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.